from the trenches. Hi, we're here with Angus Capel, Zero small business advocate based in Canberra, former advisor to federal small business ministers McCormack and Lonnie Angus. Thanks for joining us on From the Trenches. Oh, thanks for having me. We've just had budget. We, we, you, we were together in the same room looking at the budget last night. We've just finished the uh, Zero's budget breakfast. Um, and, and you, so maybe which makes you a great man to speak to, given you have seen the inner workings of the small business ministers. Do you want to give us a little bit of an intro about yourself uh, and about those roles? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I was a small business advisor, as you say, to uh, to Minister McCormack when he was small business minister and Minister Laundy when he was small business minister as well. Um, so we oversaw a couple of fairly significant policy initiatives through those two ministers, um, one probably being the enterprise tax plan for, for small businesses, but also uh, redefining a small business from a $2 million turnover up to a $10 million turnover. Um, so another one of the big ones was uh, some work on, on payment times, um, which was done in concert with the Ombudsman Kate Carnell as well. Um, so yeah, pretty... Can, take us through that. I've been critical of the move from $2 million to $10 million. I think that's a 3.8% of, of businesses, by my calculation, using ATO tax stats, I think personally, it kind of it really does murky the waters when you extend the small business definition from including 99.1% to 99.8%. Can you talk us through? I guess, I guess, what was the need for that, or you know, where was the thinking at to increase that? Yeah, sure. So it was in in the context of the enterprise tax plan. Um, so, and it was also about cleaning up the definition. There was a couple of definitions floating around. One being the ABS definition, which is under twenty employees, and the current ATO definition, or the current then ATO definition, which was two million. So those two just didn't align very neatly. Um, so by by extending that uh, threshold up to ten million dollars and being able to extend that tax cut to to a lot of those businesses and a lot between that that two and uh, two and ten uh, just seemed like the uh, the most um, sensible path does the definition not then just become business <laughs> given it's no I say that in joke but anyway that's and that is an interesting point uh, you know I still think it loses it loses what it means to be small but that's okay budget night last night obviously you've seen now uh, the outside as well as the inside mm-hmm Tell, what did you think of last night's result, document, performance? Yeah, sure. So I, I think it was a really uh, sensible budget. I, I think that it was, um, you know, a, a long-term document trying to uh, instill a bit of confidence economy-wide um, and trying to, to, you know, obviously through tax cuts, pump a bit more money through the economy. Um, so I think it was a really positive document overall. Yeah, good, good stuff. Now, what I want to ask you is the um, you have seen, as I said, the inside of, of this sort of the, the back end, how the sausage is made in this uh, in this budget process. Can you talk us through the process for how a small business initiative, and, and I mean, presumably this is the same for any initiative, but given small business is your area, how a small business initiative gets into the budget? Where does it start to get all the way through to uh, the, the first Tuesday in in 
April, May, wherever, <laughs> whenever it's usually. Yeah, sure. So it's a, it's a really, usually it's a really long-term process, especially if the issues that you're aiming to address are, are large-scale sort of sector-wide issues. Um, so I think a really good example is the, is the issue of payment times. You know, that's, that's been an issue for, for a very long time. Uh, with payment terms that have been exceeding 30 days all the way up to, you know, 180 days in some cases, which is, I don't think, in anybody's best interest, but also late payments as well. So going above what the agreed term was, um, which causes all sorts of cash flow problems for small businesses, always sort of has. So Australia's been, you know, regarded as a, as a bit of a problem area for that kind of behaviour. But you know, to actually get it into a budget or to, to get some changes flowing through, there needs to be um, some a, a bit of a case built for the change. So um, the Ombudsman, Kate Carnell, has been working away on this one since 2016, um, and it still hasn't reached its final iteration yet. So there's been a couple of policy changes to uh, to actually fix it up incrementally along the way. So there was the government reducing its payment terms to small business. There's a payment times register. Um, there's also some supply chain announcements that have been made just recently. Um, so to get something into a budget or to get a policy up, you really it really is a long-term project, um, but addressing you know, a, a real a real need for it. Um, but then it has to go through a bunch of other processes as well, such as, you know, aligning with, with the government strategy of the day and making sure that it, it actually aligns with everything else that the government is trying to achieve. So I guess do these things start as, uh, you know, uh, and I suppose they start from any area, but I guess you sort of give us a highlight on, on some of them, I suppose, is it a, a thought bubble from the minister that, you know, that they want to, uh, they've heard on the street? Is it does, does it come out of departments like Treasury and other areas? You know, do, do they push it? Does it come from advocates? And I mean, I presume it's, I presume it's all all around. But I guess is, is there some understanding of, of that of that process and ultimately where it yeah where where it moves? Yep. So usually they most of the issues boil down to the same point. Um, so what we hear when a minister goes out and is talking to constituents anywhere around Australia, they will probably hear the same thing that some of the advocates are talking to the ministers about. You know, some of the industry groups are, are talking about and generating a bit of uh, a bit of sort of tidal flow for. But it's also likely that some of the expert bodies, being you know anyone from the Ombudsman to the Productivity Commission to the RBA to any of the departments in Canberra, are working on and getting a big understanding of as well. Um, so it's it's a bit of a combination of everything. No, no, good good to know. Good to know. The a, a lot of people who are listening will, um, and, and we've certainly heard that on on social on this on social media. There is an election coming up. It's going to be called any day. We know, and, and that will, you know, largely without being we're not being political, just saying that that, that will happen. So, so with understanding that, and, and there being a possibility of, of a change in government, how does the how does the budget play out? I, I guess do do whoever the incoming government is obviously if it's the if it's if it's the government who, who gave the budget last night they implement the budget but what does what does it look like if there's a change in government do they rip it out start again do they pick and choose you know how does that play yeah so uh the first thing to remember is that the budget document isn't a rolled gold guarantee that everything in there is going to be implemented so the the budget needs to be introduced and has to be sent through the senate and agreed to just like any other legislative process 
Um, so that's that's outside of the election election process as well. So that that adds another complexity to the whole thing now is that, you know, going into an election, it's hardly anything is going to have the time to be legislated before the election is called. Um, so there's going to be competing budgets pretty much taken to the constituency at the election. Um, so in, in terms of the process of, of how the opposition will look at this budget, they will likely have the freedom to go through and choose what they like, what they don't like, cherry pick the best bits out of it, what aligns with their agenda, um, scrap what they don't like and add in, add in their uh, initiatives and, and strategy as well um, so that they can take a, a competing set of priorities to, to the people. Yeah. Um, the, Australia in the past has had an uncanny knack of uh, electing minority governments. Yeah. That is with a, a strong, you know, unfortunately, because it hasn't done, I think, personal opinion, not, hasn't done well for the government the role of the government to get things done with so many independents and minor parties. What does the outcome look like? What does the budget look like if we get either way mm. a, a minority government? Do we, we sort of go from then a third option of, you know, we, we get the, the, the parts of the budget that are less controversial plus potentially a whole lot of, you know, maybe port barrelling or whatever from, from independents? How does that play out? Mm. Well, Australia has been you know, dealing with uh, with minority governments since 2010, um, and mm. they've got really proficient at at managing crossbenches, both in the Senate and in the House, um, and and working to make sure that the agendas still get through or are palatable to the crossbenches that need to side with the government of the day to actually get it passed. Um, it definitely, definitely does add a huge degree of complexity um, having to go through that negotiation process rather than just having the numbers in both the House and the Senate. Um, but it's something that, you know, we've, we've grown really accustomed to in Australia um, and probably unlikely to change in the near future, I'd say. Yeah, lovely. Angus, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Pleasure, thanks for having me. Thanks again for listening to an episode of From the Trenches. David and I love to hear from listeners, so you can reach out if you've got feedback or story ideas, get in touch. I can be reached on Twitter, at PaulMeissner underscore, or on LinkedIn, Paul Meissner. I'm on Twitter, at David Boyar, B-O-Y-A-R, on LinkedIn, David Boyar. From the Trenches.